deeply and with our heart. And I thank you, Father, that you would bless us this week, Father. Bless what we're giving, Lord, and use it to advance your kingdom, God. And everybody said, amen. Awesome, awesome. So um, we're about to get into the Word. Pastor Greg Murray is bringing the Word this morning to give it up. But we're going to throw to the video of Pastor Charles. Uh, he sent through a video and he, all the way from the Philippines, as I said, um, keep him in your prayers. And please send him a photo of last night's score from the Essendon Bulldogs game. He absolutely loves the Bulldogs and he would be really thankful if you sent him that photo. So um, please screenshot that and send it through. But you can uh, look to the screens now and uh, we're going to watch this. Hey, Uni Hill. I am in Manila, Philippines with Pastor James and Kate and their beautiful family. It has been an absolute blessing to be here so far. I've been to many restaurants and eaten many things that I wouldn't normally eat. Uh, but we're getting ready for church tomorrow. How many services are we doing, Pastor James? We have four and we're going to a fifth after Pastor Charles is here because I didn't want to make him preach five. But yeah. it's good, great to have you here. No. We love you. Love you, Uni Hill, miss you. That was short and sweet, wasn't it? I've, I've chatted to Charles a couple of times actually uh, this week. And, uh, and actually, you guys can you guys can exit. I feel for them. You know, they're here. I, I, I don't know what time I got here. It was just, I think it was about five minutes to eight this morning. And of course, they all come in and, and start to rehearse. So they do a good job. So, you know, yeah, why don't you give it up for them again? So now I did, I've been talking to Charles. And uh, of course, April's been talking to him. Lila's been really sick, actually, why he's been away. But she's better now. And... Um, I was at the football game day of last night. In fact, you were at the game as well. And I was texting Charles the score live. Um, so uh, we will stop that there. We're not talking about football. Um, look, if you're part of our church regularly, you would have heard us talk about the sort of our vision. That is, we want people to be restored to God. So no matter where you are in your relationship with God, whether you don't know anything about God or you feel close to him or anywhere in between, but we also then want to raise you up to be everything that God's called you to be. So we do intentional discipleship. We have, you know, connect groups, small groups. We do life together. We have a number of different functions we do. And that's all about raising people up into the potential that God's given us. But then the third thing we also do is we want to release people to do whatever God's put on your life to do while you're here on the earth. Now, a lot of you will have heard that. We talk about that quite regularly. But we also have a key phrase that we've been using, at least internally, and probably not so much publicly, and that is training for life. So I know sometimes Pastor Charles has mentioned it. The idea there is that we want you to live your life well. And every aspect of your life matters to God. God created us in the community that we sit in. And so we want to train you to do life well, not just, you know, on a Sunday morning or in a Christian small group or a prayer group, but when you're at home, you know, when you, if you're a parent or, or when you're at work and you're an employee or, or you employ other people, what does God expect us to do every day of the week in how we live our life? And so training for life is one of our key phrases and you'll hear it more and more. And we develop stuff intentionally around that idea. So this morning we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about grief because one thing I've noticed, um, certainly in, in my short lifetime, is sometimes we don't grieve very well. And, you know, our culture doesn't celebrate grief. In fact, you know, death is hidden away. We, we don't sort of do much around it. Last week, Pastor Charles gave us a credible message on 
um, how to deal with hard times and how God uses hard times in our life. And so I'm going to talk a little bit differently around grief. You're going to get a handout right now as the, the hosting team is going to give them out. So I want you to take some notes. I'm going to talk about grief through the lens that it's linked to your spiritual growth. Now, just hold that thought for a minute. Grief is a key to your spiritual growth. We don't normally put grief, something we feel is very negative, painful, traumatic, difficult. We don't link that negative sort of feeling and experience with spiritual growth, which normally we link spiritual growth with something that's positive, something that God wants us to have. But we're going to do a couple of things this morning. I'm going to share a couple of Bible verses that are really woven throughout Scripture talking about grief and indicating how it is linked to our growth or discipleship as a follower of Jesus. But first off, I'm going to interview Liz Herod. Now, a lot of you know Liz. How many people here know Liz? Quite a few. I know we've got some guests as well who know her. So Liz, why don't you come up? Let's give her a big hand as she comes up. Now, Liz is one of my favourite people, and I say that genuinely. Um, come, and have a, come and have a seat, Liz. Just sit on the far side on the left. But Liz is um, well, you're such an authentic, genuine person, really. You're always full of laughter and love and kindness to others. Um, you have incredible two boys. Um, in fact, some of you all know um, Max and Jean. And uh, Liz lost her husband, Gary, around eight, nine years ago. Yes. And uh, we... Sue and I actually were personal friends with both Gary and Liz, and we've got some funny stories we might, we might have a quick chat about, about Gary and some of the things he used to do. But actually, about four or five months ago, I mentioned to Liz, would you mind me interviewing you on a Sunday morning, because I'm planning to talk about grief one day. And she kindly said yes, which is fantastic. So why don't you tell us about your family first off? So tell us about your boys, and one of them's just got married. Right, yes. Um, some of you, or probably a lot of you here know Jean, my oldest son, who will be 30 at the end of this year. Um, uh, he came along to Uni Hill Church when we were at the school. Yeah, the school, yeah. Mm. And um, he thought that was really good and continued coming, which was wonderful. Um, I also have a younger son, Max, who's 28, and um, he, at the moment, has chosen not to be with us, but... I have hope. He comes every now and then. Like I see him, I see him in the office yes. and he comes and says yeah. hello. Max loves cooking. He does. And so that, that's a bond between Max and I because um, I, I like eating. That's right. <laughs> which helps. Um, he, he's actually moving house this weekend, so um, he's not here either. No, so he's moving out of your home. He's moved he? out so of my home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't look so excited, and Liz. At 28, I think it's high time. Well. <laughs> Your secret's safe with us. No one tell Max what Liz just said. I'm pretty sure he knows. <laughs> oh, you've told him, have you? I might have, yeah, yeah. You might have told him. I think you probably have. Once or twice, yeah. Now, um, there's a couple of photos which, which you gave me earlier in the week. Um, tell us about how you met Gary. Um, well, I was a teenager. Um, I think I was 18 at the time. And I went to meet my sister's fiance's family right. and there was her future brother-in-law and I thought ooh <laughs> <laughs> so um well took a little bit of chasing but I caught him <laughs> and um yeah we um got engaged and married and right. 
How, how old were, were you and how old was he when you married? I was 21 and six weeks and he was 22 and one week and we thought we were so mature and we thought we knew everything. <laughs> I, think, I think most most young couples do that. Yeah. It's not, not new. Yeah. How would you describe Gary? I mean, you know, I had a personal relationship with him, but you, you're his soulmate. You guys were so close. How, how would you... You had to explain who Gary was. Um, he was a very kind person. Yeah, he he was. was a very funny person. Yeah. Um, he Sometimes was... he thought he was funny and he wasn't funny. Oh, that's exactly and true. Other times he was very <laughs> but funny. But that was actually quite funny too when yeah, it, that it was. happened. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, he was, he was a very thoughtful person yeah. and he loved people. He yeah. really loved um, just being with people and yeah. helping people. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, and he, did. he loved the bombers. Yeah, he did love yeah. Essendon. <laughs> Could pop that um, one in. Yeah. One of the things I loved about Gary is he always called you by his first name. In fact, I remember one time I think I just said hello to him, and he sort of literally told me off. That, you know, you've got to use people's names. Yeah. But then I real I twigged that every time I saw Gary, he'd say hello, Greg. <laughs> he had a way <laughs> of actually say hello. Um, That's right. What one one of the one of the things I remember about Gary is actually his love of cooking, which obviously mm. Max has inherited. Yes. But um, was he a good cook? Uh, he was a good cook, yeah. yeah, and he would cook breakfast, lunch and tea for us. So right. I never You trained had, him well. I did. I did. I did that really well. Yeah. <laughs> I never had to cook a meal for wow. all our married life. Yeah. Yeah. I, hmm? Now, now <laughs> hang on. All the, men, all the men in the room have just gone, oh, no. My wife is going to talk to me on the way home yeah. in the car. Uh, no, that's not the purpose of this of this <laughs> conversation. But he was a very good cook, and one of the passions he had was motorsports. Yes. He was right into. Yep. Well, I remember, you know, for those of us who were at, at the previous Yarra Plenty Church, um, when Bathurst 1000 was on, we never saw Gary. No. Uh, no. He'd watch that race like almost pre-dawn right through. Yeah, that was his <laughs> yeah. annual holiday. Yeah. And he was right into motorsports, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he loved it. He'd been a mechanic for a yeah. race team in yeah. his early years. And um, oh, I still go car racing with my boys. Oh, do so, uh, He actually, um, fortunately, I come from a car racing loving yeah. family also. As well? So okay. Yeah, so um, wow. I grew up with that. And yeah. Um, yeah, we had a lot in common, yeah. which was good. Now, he, I know some of you will know Gary, if you knew him, he had a car condition and he used to talk about mm. it. Um, but he still died unexpectedly. Yes, he did. So tell me how have you coped? Like how, what sort of adjustments, you know, what experiences, how would you describe the last eight years? Um, well, it was, I guess there's been a lot of adjustments for me. Yeah. Uh, my, my life as I knew it completely changed. Yeah. It just, um, when he died, that was it. I, um, I had to learn to cook. <laughs> Now, hang on. I have been to your house for a meal which you cooked and it was very good. That's good. So, Because a lot of people here have had some of my disasters. <laughs> <too>. Yes. <laughs> yes. We, we did talk about that during the week. I was trying to, I was trying to save you, Liz. Yeah, uh, I've had a few not Some of them so were in the room, meals, yeah. right, that had, had the disaster <laughs> meals. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the things. Um, I think I had to go from um, just working in a nice 15-an-hour um, week job yeah. up at the school I had to go out and work full time oh. um, and I hadn't worked full time since 1986 yeah. so that was a bit of a shock for me but that's a big big transition to it make. was but um, I was very blessed I had people who helped me um, who guided me along helped me with um, 
training. I had yeah. to train for six yeah. months with the job I'm in. And then Which I is had, by the way, security. I'm a security right? guard. Yeah. So you had to do you had to do security <laughs> training. To, yeah, and I also I work in a monitoring centre, so I had yeah. to do monitoring centre training. Yeah. So I did all of that, and then I got my job, and I had to learn to work shift work, yeah. and that is that's a challenge. I'm still learning yeah, that, that one. That's I, a challenge. Yeah, I'm not very good at that. They, I think they've figured out that I might sleep on the night <laughs> shift somehow. We won't. We won't tell <laughs> them. We won't tell <laughs> no. them. Um, you mentioned to me actually during the week that um, having to work in one way actually was good. So just yeah. explain how, how does that work, how did that work for you in helping you? Well, when Gary died I was a casual employee so I didn't have holidays or sick leave or anything like that. So um, I had to go back to work two weeks after he died and that was, I probably was not ready. No. I didn't feel like... I was ready, but I had no choice. So back I went to work, and the people there at um, it was at Plenty Valley Christian College who I worked, and the staff, and the um, parents who worked in the canteen with me were so kind and so good, right. and gentle, and it helped me just get back into the rhythm of life again, right. and to realise that yes, this is my life now, and yeah. I just have to yeah. get on with it, yeah. um, and. Do it even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. You still have to keep going. going. You do have to keep going. Well, like yeah. I think the phrase you mentioned there is an interesting one: rhythm of life. Mm. Because bereavement and grief is so deep, mm. and it almost has a sense of isolation. It, it you feel like um, that you're stuck on your own, and so forcing yourself to actually connect with people, particularly like you said, who are kind and patient. And because yeah. some people are not safe while you're grieving. Mm. Um, but if you've got safe people during grief, it can help you get yeah. into a rhythm because you still have to learn how to live. You're readjusting. That's right. Um, you you just – it's kind of like, you know, you just have to um, know that this is – well, this is the season now yeah. and I'm, I was feeling terrible. I yeah. was just, well, grief-stricken, lonely, yeah. upset, all of those things yeah. – but also needed to understand that this isn't how I was going to be forever and ever, that it would continue yes. on, that I would. Yeah. And as time goes on, you don't think about it, but you start to laugh again and you start yeah. to enjoy your life and enjoy things. And then I started to be able to look at things and um, not feel this pain every time I was enjoying something, but just think, yeah, Gary would have enjoyed that. Yeah. You know, He would have had a laugh. And... Being with Greg is great because you knew him yeah. so well. We're often able to... We went away together. Yeah. Gary right. was very <laughs> focused if you played 500. You know oh. the card game? We played <laughs> 500 a few times. Uh, he was very... I mean, because um, I knew him so well and knew, you know, you guys. In fact, Sue and I regularly, you know, it's different intervals, talk about Gary and Liz in our own home. How close... I mean, you guys were so close. Mm. You really were made for each other. Like, mm. you, were, you were a great match. You were soulmates. Um... I have very distinct memories in the previous church. Gary was a counsellor in our church. And Liz, you would come with him to work and you'd sit yourself in the foyer with your knitting or, or a book mm. to read and just wait for him while he was mm. doing his work because, you know, you were so close as a couple. What, yeah. what, what were the elements that made you such a close couple? Oh, I, think, um, I think it's something we worked at. Yeah. I think it was something that we thought was important in mm. our lives. Yeah. So um, we 
spent extra time perhaps with each other. Um, and from where I was, you were often together, like regularly yeah, together. Yeah. I think um, somebody said to me after he died, she was so shocked and she said to me, but I never saw you two without seeing you holding hands yeah, you know, when you were yeah. walking down the street and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, we were very close yeah. um, and we enjoyed each other's company and, um, yeah. Yeah, you did. One, one of the things that I've personally experienced and, and from our conversation um, over the last few years you have as well is when, when I'm grieving, when I've lost someone that I love, um, you have well-meaning people come up and say things to you but they're actually quite hurtful. They don't realise they're doing it. It's almost, mm. I think people do it often because they're feeling awkward or there's a silence and they feel they have to fill mm. the space with words. And sometimes, you know, people who are Christians uh, uh, can be just as glib in what they say because they can spiritualise grief to a point that undermines how you feel. Um, how did you go in terms of managing your relationships with people? Like some people would be very helpful to you during your grief. Mm. Other people, even though they're well-intentioned, they're not helping you by what they do or say. No. I think you, um, you learn to let go of the things that aren't helpful. Right. And you have to not take offence when yeah. people... Because we've all made mistakes. We've all said stupid things. Yeah. And I've had a few more than my fair share yeah. <laughs> in that time. <laughs> um, but you just have to learn to let a lot of things wash over you yeah. and not take it on board. Yeah. But take on board the helpful things, the people who are helpful, who say helpful things. Um, some people can say one thing and it comes out completely dif differently to the, the next person saying almost yeah. the same thing. Same thing. So, yeah, and I, comparison is not a good thing. No. We don't... I think... Um, I know how you feel is probably not very no. good because often you don't know how I feel yeah. and um, if you haven't been in the situation, you really don't, yeah. you can't know. I'm actually, I mean, Liz doesn't know what I'm what I'm speaking on after we've fitting our con finished our conversation, but one of my points is around that, that mm. in fact comparison never comforts. No. Um, and even though you may have lost a loved one who was very close to you, but your personality is unique, your relationship with them is unique, and so you've had a, you sort of find similar points of reference. And again, I think through nervousness, we fill the air with some words. Mm. Um, but in actual fact, your experience of, of losing Gary is so unique to you that even if I've lost my, my loved one or my spouse, it's, there's, there's such uniqueness around the way I experience grief, the way I process grief. And so it's interesting you bring it up because mm. that's part of the challenge. Mm. But you did have some people who were very... Um, supportive and helpful just what I'm interested in is what was it that they did so it's not so much who they were but what was it that they did that was so helpful during your deep bereavement okay for uh, a few of these people are here and you'll know who you are without yeah. me saying it yeah. but they were just there with me they just sat with me if I wanted to cry they yeah. let me cry yeah. they wanted to let me talk if I wanted to talk they helped me in practical ways um, and um, when I did stupid things and said stupid things and made stupid yeah. mistakes, they just let me... Be stupid. Be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they did a fair bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they, they just... I just knew they were there and they cared and that they'd cared for Gary. And I think the important thing for me, I wanted to talk about him. Yeah. I didn't... I, 
Because some people don't want to mention they it because they're, yeah. they're awkward. They're awkward. They're not sure how you, a grieving person's going to respond. Yeah. But yeah. for you, you wanted to talk about Gary. I wanted to, and I wanted them to talk with me. I wanted to hear that they had thought this or that or whatever of yeah. him. I yeah. really wanted, yeah. only wanted to hear the good things, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I, I wanted to talk about him. And um, I thought that was important. So if people didn't mention him, if, if it was almost like I felt they were um, negating him as a person. Denying his existence. Denying almost. his existence. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, I felt really offended at yeah. that. I was really quite upset yeah. if that happened. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I've... I've always felt and I hope it's right with people but to acknowledge somebody who has passed away yeah acknowledge yeah. that they existed acknowledge that they were important in yeah. in my life yeah. perhaps in your own life perhaps not but you know just you know to say something so with with um our theme today about grief is connected to your spiritual growth how has your experience of grieving impacted your relationship with God or your, your faith? Has, has it made any difference? Because um, some people see God differently through grief and the way they relate to him. Yes. I was quite shocked when somebody said to me within the first week that she was really angry with God, that Gary had gone, and wasn't I angry? And I said, no, well, I wasn't angry. Right. And I wasn't upset with God. I just. So was your shock that they were angry or that I, you weren't angry? Oh, no, I was quite shocked that they were angry, right. actually. I thought, you know, this is just life. Death yeah. is yeah. actually part of life yeah. that we don't really acknowledge very well, no. I'm afraid. But um, um, So your relationship with God continued to develop? Or it did, yeah. Right. didn't. Yes, it did. In some ways, it might have been easier for me to just say, oh, that's it, I give up. Yeah. But that wasn't what I wanted to do. No, that wasn't no. how my life had been, more my life with Gary. It wasn't how our focus had been. Yeah. And I wanted to um, just continue and grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, look, I really want to thank you for sharing with us today. It's not okay. easy sitting up here. Why don't you give Liz a very big hand. And um, just before you go, Liz, this is actually for you. Oh, beautiful. So actually, I might maybe... Sue, can you just come and... And we've got a gift for you as well. Oh, wow. So... We put it up here, but then I think maybe it's tearing it down. So thanks very much, Liz, for sharing with us. And uh, we love Gary. He was a great guy. So why don't you thank Liz again? She was a bit nervous. Thank you. You did a good job. Thanks, thank you very much. Thank you. It's not easy coming talking in public about your experience and journey with grief, but grief is different for all of us. And that part of the challenge is... Um, you know, how do we process our grief personally, but also as a community of believers? So, you know, we, we can experience loss in a whole different range of ways. It's not always just around the death of somebody. And so why, why I'm, I'm sharing this morning a couple of thoughts around grief and the fact that it's linked to your spiritual growth and to my spiritual growth, I really want you to take some notes on that outline that you've got there. Anything that the Lord prompts you about, or brings to your memory. Um, I know in my life, every time I revisit this topic of grief, um, things come up that I think maybe are not resolved. I haven't maybe, maybe they're ungrieved. And I wonder whether there's some people here this morning who are like me, that some, some experiences you had have not been grieved um, either at all or well. And so, you know, I want to encourage you to take your own notes. 
So when we think about grief and loss, we don't just lose people in our lives that we love um, unexpectedly or expectedly, but we can lose a whole range of other things that causes us to grieve. So I'm gonna, I've got a list of things here that I was thinking through, and again, think of my own personal experience with grief. You can lose relationships, like you can lose a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You can lose a marriage, so maybe the marriage dissolves. You can lose a spouse through death, so like Liz's experience. Um, you can lose a job that sometimes is quite traumatic, you know, because now what do you do or if you stay unemployed for a period of time. You can lose um, your fertility. You can lose a child. I've had a very close family member lose a child and it was, it was a very, very deep grieving on all of us for all of our um, close family members grieving this child and actually being uh, helping to lead that funeral service was quite, quite a challenge for me personally, um, this stillborn baby from a family member that was very close to me. Um, you can lose finances and money. You can lose a limb. You can lose all these things you can grieve over. You can, grieve, you can lose your ability to see, to hear, particularly as you get older. I've lost my ability to see. I've got a pair of glasses in my pocket in case I can't read my own notes this morning. You can lose um, your physical function walking, memory, you can lose a breast, you can lose your dreams. Sometimes losing an object is traumatic. Um, coincidentally, uh, last week, uh, I was just the TV was on the background and there was a show about repairing clocks, a British show. I wasn't really watching it. I'm not into clocks, so don't tell me it was a good story about clocks. But the, one of the ladies on the show having her clock repaired in England said, that clock is the only memory I have of my mother. And so that's what stood out to me because I'm thinking about grief and loss and the triggers for us. So you can lose an object. I knew someone who their um, house was partly flooded and they lost books um, just, just through water damage. But those books had emotional attachment and significance for them and they grieved over the loss of those books. Um, you can lose your faith, you can lose your church, you might have to move church, you can lose your country and move cross-culturally. You think of all the ways that we often get treated by other people that cause us grief. So, you know, you can be rejected by someone who's close to you or important in your life. Uh, you can be bullied, taken advantage of. You can be abandoned by someone that should have been there for you. You can, you can have grief because of a conflict that is being unresolved and maybe you don't have any control to resolve that conflict. You can be judged by others that cause grief and the judgment could be inappropriate or appropriate but it still causes grief. So while I'm talking today, I'm going to give you four particular points but here's what I want you to think about as I'm talking how it's linked to our spiritual development, grief. It's not the circumstances that we go through. So certainly in, in my life, the, the griefs that I've had to mourn, it's not the actual circumstances like the death of somebody or the stillborn baby. It's not losing my job or having to move churches. That, that's, it's not the, the event. There's usually something deeper that the event is pushing up to the surface that I have no control over. So, for example, I think we really grieve over things like being powerlessness, having no control, 
I think we grieve because we've lost our identity, or at least it feels that way. Our identity who's tied up in a relationship or a work um, expression, a job. We're grieving over we're not the same person now. But we don't often think that. But I just wonder whether underneath the circumstances that we'll talk about when we share our grief, really what's happening is there's this emotional stuff that actually pulls us, forces us to live in a new way. We didn't want to live the new way, so Liz doesn't want to live without Gary, but we're forced. And so I want you to think not just of the events that have caused you deep bereavement or grief. So not just the list that I read out, but things like your identity, your sense of self, uh, your privacy, your innocence, uh, your freedom, your ability to choose. Um, They're the things that really I think most of us grieving about now every one of us grieves nobody can escape it the good news is you're in very good company jesus grieved we don't really think about that very often uh, but he grieved we there's you know when you think if jesus is sinless perfect did nothing wrong um you know we i think certainly my form of christianity in the early years um, in the group that I was in, the Christian group I was in, a lot of it was around prosperity and, and all this sort of stuff. And so when anything negative, bad or difficult happened to me, you sit there and think, why is God mad with me or what have I done wrong? I don't know if you know the book of Job in the Bible, but you, you end up sounding like one of his three friends giving advice, right? You must have upset God somehow. But in actual fact, Grief comes for all of us at some point in various different circumstances over many different ways throughout all of our lifetime. And so to be a fully mature disciple of Christ, we have to learn to grieve well. Jesus himself experienced grief. So there's many things that we can lose. And here's what I want to encourage you to think about. It's unhealthy for you not to grieve. So for most people, and again, I, I could tell some of my stories. I don't want to make it about me. I'm trying to make it more about what God wants to say to you personally. But there are times when I haven't grieved. I notice my behaviour changes, my thinking changes, and I actually, it's like when you squeeze a balloon, you know, that's full of air. Unhealthy stuff comes out in a different way because I've, I've sort of pushed the grief down. And for various reasons, some families don't know how to do grief. Some churches don't know how to do grief. Our culture certainly generally doesn't know how to do grief. But it's unhealthy not to grieve. Or let me put it in a positive way. Grief is the only healthy expression to loss. That's what it is. It's a healthy expression to loss. In fact, grief is a gift from God that helps you transition from what you had to where you are now that's really what it is grief is a gift from god that helps you transition from who you were what you had the values or the things that were important to you the relationships to actually transitioning you to where you sit right now and so if you stuff your grief ignore your grief don't want to talk about your grief or don't know what to do with it sometimes um then it might come out in unhealthy, dysfunctional ways. Maybe not immediately, but over a long period of time, that's what can happen. 
So really, you're exchanging your grief for your maturity. And that's what I want to talk about. So let's go to the first point. You've got a handout. I want you to take some notes here. These are things that I'm I'm sort of not pulling out one verse today. Normally, I, I sort of preach from a verse or a paragraph. But I felt just to show you there's a theme that runs throughout the Bible by different authors written over a 1,500 year period. They didn't know each other. But there's this theme that God, by his spirit, has put in the Holy Scriptures to help us with our grief. So here's the first one. God blesses us when we grieve. Now, I said before, you probably haven't thought about grief and uh, spiritual growth in the same sentence before. You probably haven't thought about the blessings of God and you grieving in the same sentence before either. It's actually when... When I first put it in those terms, I thought to myself, I don't think I naturally connect the blessing of God with my grief. Because when we think of God's blessing, what are the things we think of? We think of God healing us, delivering us, speaking to us, encouraging us. We think God of providing for us. We think of God answering our prayers, you know, all the things that we need to make us feel comfortable, all the things we want to, to be secure. But Jesus himself actually says... In the King James translation, you'll probably know it, blessed are those who mourn. So the new living, which I've got on your notes there and on the slide, God blesses those who grieve or who mourn because he comforts them. See, sometimes we think God's, I don't know about you, we think God's blessing is, um, is more about, hang on, let me start again. We think that the blessing of God is not comfort. But let me tell you from my experience, when I'm in deep bereavement, the biggest blessing I can get is someone comforting me. Comfort is a blessing. And so God blesses us when we grieve. Jesus said, blessed are those, or God blesses you when you grieve. So I I sort of want to, partly what I want to do today is challenge and confront Um, what appears to be in some Christian circles that you have to be stoic when you've lost something important or someone you love. You have to be, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's almost like it's unspiritual to grieve. We don't say that, but we act that out unintentionally, I think, but we nevertheless act that out, right? That, you know, somehow if you're grieving and you're not, you know, coping, inverted commas, we think that that's actually, well, that person's really not spiritual. They should, we, these are the things we could run through our head. They should be over it by now. Or we, we quote verses at them like a weapon, <laughs> right, rather than providing some just a listening ear and being present, like Liz said. The, the, the people that really helped her were just those that were present. You don't have to necessarily say anything. That's comfort. And so... Jesus says the key to you being blessed is to grieve your losses. Think about that. When you when you're experience a loss, it's a key to you being blessed is your grieving. You've got to have the courage to grieve as a Christian. If we had a, you know, if, if I had a physical wound that was infected and festering, I wouldn't just put a, go to the, my, my cabinet in the bathroom and grab a little band-aid and put over the top of it. That wound needs to be cleaned out. I might need antibiotics. It might need to be stitched. 
I have to actually treat that wound seriously. But we don't treat grief as a wound that seriously. And I think sometimes we, we sort of superficially stick different sort of band-aids over our feelings or over the process of us mourning or grieving. So really what I want to do today is encourage or give you permission to grieve. That it's not a sign of weakness. Um, it's actually part of my spiritual growth. If I grieve the things that I've lost, then God blesses me. Here's the second thing. Not only does God bless me, God says, I'm with you in your grief. Um, in fact, go back to the Matthew 5. I want you to circle the word there, bless. So in Matthew 5, you can see God blesses those who mourn. Just circle the word bless. And then go under point 2, you can see Psalm 34. Just circle the word close. So God blesses us when we grieve. God's close to us when we grieve. We need people in our grief, but we also need God. We need God to be right with us. And uh, certainly my experience with grief is sometimes I feel God is distant when I'm grieving. You know, I think pain has this way of isolate, I isolate myself in pain. I don't know if that's what you do, but, you know, it's, it's, you have no emotional energy sometimes, so you, you don't even want to talk to other people, let alone talk to God. And so how is God close to us? Well, I think there's a couple of things. Firstly is, of course, Jesus wept. John 11, 33 to 36. Incredible story of his close friend, Lazarus, who had been dead for three days. And Jesus hauls him out of, the, of his tomb or out of his grave and resurrects him. But in between that, he felt the loss of his friend and he, he actually burst into tears. Now, we think of Jesus being macho probably or strong. You know, we like stories of him driving out the money changers in the temple and taking on the Pharisees. But here he is weeping over the death of his friend. And what sticks in my head theologically is he knew he was about to resurrect him. but he still burst into tears because of his friend. So when we think that God is close to us or we feel that he's not, he knows what it is to lose. God lost his only son for us. and We celebrated that around the communion table today. One of the unique things about our Christianity and our God, you know, there are many different gods on the earth. But the, one of the unique things about Christianity that's not in any other form of religious belief system is no other God has wounds. That, he, that, that, that our God would actually come and suffer on our behalf to make us into his family. There's no other God that's been projected that has ever done that. He knows, he's, he knows what it is to, to suffer and to lose. That's why he's close to us. He, he's actually part of us. God grieves. That's the second thing I want to tell you. There's no command in Scripture not to weep, not to mourn, not to grieve, not to talk about your loss. There's no command for Christians to do that, Old Testament or New Testament. In fact, as you can see from these verses, there's directives of what you do in your grief. It's the opposite. It's, I think it's part of... When you read the Bible and you see that God weeps, God mourns, God grieves. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. So it's part of the human, my human makeup to grieve is part of the divine 
nature or the image of God in me. If God grieves, that's why I grieve. Creatures don't grieve. They don't grieve anywhere near like we as humans do, but that's because we're made in God's image. So to deny your grief and loss is to deny the image of God in you. Because he's so close. He knows what it is to suffer loss. And here's the third thing. God knows that I will go through seasons of grief. It's not a surprise to him. (laughs) He doesn't sit up there and go, oh, no, I forgot. Greg was going to experience this loss. In fact, the first book of the Holy Scriptures that was written is the book of Job. It's about a man who loses everything. Genesis is not the first book to be written. Job was the first book. It's arranged in in chronological order, so we have Genesis as the first book. But the very first story that the Holy Spirit inspires to be written down is a man suffering immense loss. God's not surprised that we go through loss and that there's seasons of loss. So seasons are, of course, you don't get over it in a week. You know, I said to Sue yesterday, I was really hoping if I had more time, to sort of do two things for every, every point that I'm making. Make the point, but then also say, so if you're a Christian, don't do this, right? So if you're a Christian, don't tell people they'll get over it. Now, from my experience, you never get over your grief, but what you do is you learn to readjust and live a different way. But sometimes it whelms up within you, doesn't it? It's like a wave. That grief actually still comes up. You don't know when it's going to happen, You don't know, sometimes there's reminders or triggers. It could be a story, a word, um, an odour, something, anything that actually reminds you of that loss. And when that loss comes up, there are seasons of grief. So here's the thing that I, I want to tell you about the word seasons. It doesn't mean a day, a week, a month. Seasons is a transition to the other side. You never get over it, but you're going to get through it. You will get through it. It's going to be painful and difficult. Sometimes it feels totally overwhelming. And other times you can still laugh and enjoy life because it's a season. Life is consistent of opposites. So, you know, Ecclesiastes, which is the verse I've got there on your notes, says, you know, in life there are seasons for everything. And then I've jumped to verse 4 because it highlights that there is a season to laugh, there's a season to grieve or mourn, there's a season to dance. Dave was dancing down here before, he's a good dancer. But we don't know when those seasons are going to happen. We like, the, we like the laughter and the parties and you know, we, like, we like those seasons of life. But listen to this. You know your maturity as a follower of God is that you handle all seasons of life well. That's what it is. We don't deny it. We don't avoid it. We don't stuff it down. It's actually God's not surprised and he's helping us. So he's blessing us when we grieve. He's close to us. He's with us when we grieve. And he knows that all of us will go through seasons of loss. Now, can I have the the worship guys up here? I'm going to finish. I'm just looking at the time here. Here's the fourth thing. And I think I really think there's a word for, for many of us today around our grief. God's family is the safest place to grieve and grow. 
Now, I've got to be brutally honest here. When I first wrote that, like I wrote that sentence, that's what came to me, how to put it, I thought to myself, "Mm, actually, it's not always. (laughs) You know, let's be honest. Sometimes God's family is not the safest place to grieve and grow, but it's supposed to be. Amen? It's, It's supposed to be the place where we are patient with each other, kind to one another, that in, you can see from the verses there I've got from Romans and Galatians that we carry each other. So when I am in pain, you're supposed to carry me and my pain. Not fix me, not preach to me, not quote glibly Bible verses at me that somehow minimises my suffering. You're supposed to be kind, loving, gentle, carry me. And then when you go through your grief and loss, I am responsible to carry you and be kind, patient and gentle with you. So, you know, what I've, again, sometimes for me personally, when I'm in deep grief, the last thing I want to do is come to church because I have to see people. I don't have the emotional strength. But if I get myself here, it can be and should be, and I hope, pray, Uni Hill Church is the safest place that we accept you in your grief You're not a problem to be fixed when you're grieving. You just need someone to be with you and to walk through the experience and support or carry you, as the Bible says here. So here's the principle. I want you to write this down as I finish up. You don't get well on your own. You don't get well on your own. The more you isolate yourself in your grief, the more overwhelmed you can feel and the less support, help, friendship that you encounter and yet sometimes in the shock of loss we tend to isolate ourselves but help and healing comes through community or through God's family acting as God's family so when I when I was reading Galatians chapter 6 and you can see I've got verse 2 in your notes it's an interesting phrase because you know um, Paul has written there that if we you know carry one another's burdens we fulfill the law of Christ. So it got me thinking, I'm thinking, what's the law of Christ got to do with carrying each other's burdens? What is the law of Christ? Well, actually, in the previous chapters, he actually mentions the law of Christ is love. So in context, that's what he's talking about. If you carry me in my pain and suffering, you're fulfilling the love that God wants his family to express to one another. The most uniquely identifiable mark we are supposed to carry as Christians is our love for one another. And so if you carry me and I carry you, we're fulfilling that law of love. We're not fixing each other. Healing happens in community. You don't get well when you isolate yourself. And as Liz mentioned, actually, I had this in my notes here. Don't compare. When someone shares their loss, I've done it as well. You want to say, oh, yeah, when I lost this or when that happened to me. But comparing never comforts. It might, it might make you as the hearer or the listener better. You might feel a bit safer because it's, it, it's awkward. But when you, when you compare your story with someone else's, you almost unintentionally devalue the feelings and the weight of the loss that they carry. And so try not to compare. If, oh, again, if I had time, I'd give you a list of things of what you shouldn't do, but time is gone. So why don't, why don't we stand together? I want to pray for us all.
because when you grieve, God blesses you. When you grieve, God is with you. God knows you will experience seasons of grief and His family, the church, is the safest place for you to grieve and grow because grief is a key to your spiritual development. That's what it is. So all I'm, I'm going to close the service. We've gone a little bit over time and my apologies if you have to um, shoot off straight away. But we're just going to leave the altar open. I'll just ask the band, actually, can you guys sing that last song, the third song? Just softly. And if you want to have any prayer ministry, I'm going to ask for the ministry team. Will you guys come out? Actually, come out right now, the ministry team. We're going to open it. So if you want prayer around anything that you've heard today or for anything else, so whether you've got a sickness or there's another issue you would like someone to pray with you, we've got a great team here. Let me pray for us and then... If you don't want to have any ministry, you're free to hang out, have some coffee and, and connect. Father God, we thank you that you love us so much, that you help us through our grief. Even though we feel alone and separated through our bereavement and the depth of loss, that you do bless, you are close to us, you know there are seasons that will transition us. And Lord, you've given us a family that will help us to grow through our grief. Father, I pray, Lord, in a real, from my heart, a real sensitive heart, that, that many people who are here may have unresolved griefs in their lives. And I pray, Lord God, that through hearing what we've said and the, and the truth of your word in those verses, that you would minister by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, if anybody needs just someone to stand with them and pray together, that they would they'd be able to come and just receive just receive someone's love and your spirit to minister into their personal lives. And Father, I pray one last thing. Help us to be wise in how we interact with those who are grieving. That we would carry them, show them incredible kindness and gentleness as you do towards us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll finish the service there. Please come. I'll be down the front as well. Have a good week. God bless you.